talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Hey everybody, welcome to the second ever episode of All Star Superfan. As always, I'm your host, Alan Burke. Also with me is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Rob O'Connor. Hey, Rob, how are you keeping, man? I'm absolutely mighty. I'm standing by in the Fortress of Solitude like a trusty Superman robot, ready to <laughs> uh, dispense all the knowledge I've been programmed with for the past 30-odd years, retaining all this useless information when I could have been doing something useful with my time. Anyway, <laughs> no, it's all, it's all great. Yeah, so welcome to the second episode of All Star Super Fan. We're kind of going to dive into some of our favorite books. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, did you find it easy to to pick out your your titles or? Uh, I no, I really didn't actually. Um, it's you know, Superman comics are funny in that. Um, well, l- like any comics, like they've been around for so long, and there's so many different versions, so many different iterations, and then you know, on the one hand, you have your kind of graphic novel stories that sit really nice on a bookshelf and like they have a beginning middle and end but then you have your long running kind of arcs and you know the the creator runs that ran for years and years and years and it's harder to just pick one little nugget of those that you know you really want to highlight and um you know there's different eras of superman that mean different things to different people for different reasons and i think it's going to be really interesting kind of talking a little bit about that uh with you yeah 80 evening. years is a 80 years is a long history of of publication you know um without much in terms of stopping over that 80 years you know it, it's pretty much been a continuous run in in various forms um and i was the same i i struggled a little bit i i changed some of my options a couple of times um but overall i'm, I'm pretty happy with my with my uh, choices because I think at the start I was trying to decide I, I kind of was leaning towards these real tentpole books and sagas and um, as we discussed uh, off mic there you know Kingdom Come was, was one of the ones that I had picked um, and Love it's Kingdom a Come. Yeah, it's a fantastic book and it's had such an influence on Superman ever since it was published from you know comics you know the the tv series uh, you know obviously brandon routh just wore the kingdom come suit there in the last year or two oh gorgeous gorgeous one of the best superman suits ever yeah absolutely stunning yeah i it's 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 definitely my second favorite superman suit after the uh christopher reeve superman the movie uh suit yeah it's up there Um, for me too it's a beautiful beautiful suit yeah um you know mark wade you know you can't beat it um but then you know, I was trying to think to myself, I was like, you know, is it is it the book that I reach for if I really just want to sit down and read a Superman story and kind of smile to myself and, you know, enjoy an hour or two? Oh, yeah, and yeah. I had to admit that it wasn't, you know, it's it's so it's it is heavy. It's a real it's a, it's a real thinker, you know, it's a real philosophical kind of it's heavy. It's heavy duty is what I'm trying to say. And um, so, you know, I, I kind of leaned away from it just for for this episode. And we, maybe we'll do a, a, a retrospective of it or a review of it um, down the line. But um, it didn't make my my, my three favorite books. Um, yeah, but I, it, it just barely missed out. I, I can absolutely understand that. But like for me, I, I it, like it, it definitely fundamentally is a Superman book. But I, I think of it also as very much a Justice League book. And, very much so yeah and, and 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 i actually very nearly put a justice league run in in this in this sort of three that i'm picking tonight and then i i kind of narrowly said you know what that isn't really fair like i think justice league superman and just superman superman for me are kind of 
different things they, they sit on different parts of the table sometimes and i think um that's kind of it's very much a thing with kingdom come i also think with kingdom come like a lot of stories that i think we're going to be talking about tonight it's a little <laughs> bit of a cursed monkey's paw in that uh you know it, as you say it is a very heavy very you know sometimes a very dark story and yeah. i think sometimes hollywood has a tendency to look at that and go oh look this story's dark therefore let's just do this and you know and they yeah. they don't always pick up on the nuance of it or the the complexities of the story they just see superman with heat vision looking very angry about to topple a building and they think oh that's the movie we'll make uh but that's a podcast for another day yeah and uh, in terms of that i mean i i am a critic of the cw shows you know i have a lot of issues issues with those shows but i think they did a great job when it came to brandon ruth playing the the a version of the kingdom come superman and and doing it very well and and you know towing that line very well that he wasn't this you know evil brooding not a lot evil but brooding you know dark bitter superman um you know i, I really can't if any if, if people haven't checked that out yet it's even if you don't follow those series it's definitely worth checking that out he, he i really think he did a great job yeah in, I, that, um, in that saga definitely yeah i i um i i feel like i'm a little bit more i i, I have a little bit more time for the cw stuff than than you do I, I i don't watch them all at the moment i watch superman and lois i don't really watch many of the others but I thought that that crisis event they did, uh, it was a little bit of a mess overall, but I did think Brandon yeah. Routh was absolutely spectacular in it. He was perfect, absolutely brilliant. I loved that there was little nods to Superman 3 and 4 in there as well. I don't know if you yeah, caught those. Yeah, much so, yeah. Like yeah. the whole thing when he played Superman and Superman Returns was that they were wiping Superman 3 and 4 from the slate and it was just Superman 1 and 2 which didn't really work anyway but i i, yeah. I liked that they um uh, they they had little references to superman 3 and 4 in those episodes as well and i thought brandon Routh was excellent in them so yeah i'm actually looking at a just while we record the podcast i have a, a kind of a display case in front of me here and i right in front of my eyesight is a i have a, a kingdom come uh action figure amazing <laughs> so I, it's it you know the, the legacy of that of that book you know reaches far stretches far across the the, the entire legacy and the, the the entire mythology you know and it, it is a great book and we probably will come back to it at a future date but um do you want to talk about your picks or actually before we get into it any superman related news from the last since the last time i spoke to you superman related news uh not, not a huge amount I, I i should probably mention um and I, I didn't get to this last week, but um, so obviously we're in quarantine land still. Uh, the pandemic is still raging. And um, during the first lockdown here in Ireland, I uh, so you might remember No Time to Die, the James Bond movie uh, had been delayed. And we we're all very upset about that because I'm a huge James mm -hmm. Bond fan. And me and my friends were in the middle of rewatching the whole series in time for No Time to Die. And then lockdown hit and it was clear that it wasn't coming out and we were all very sad and we started watching the movies on Zoom every week and it's worked out really, really well. And I thought, wouldn't it be really, really funny if I just wrote my own James Bond movie and the kind of wacky, crazy James Bond movie that they'd never make in real life and we'll just perform it on Zoom. And you're probably thinking, why am I talking about this on a Superman podcast? <laughs> Point being, we did that. It was hilarious. It was great. We did a whole James Bond movie on Zoom and it's really, really funny. To follow that up, I decided, well, I'm probably never going to be able to make my own Superman movie. So why don't I write a Superman movie? And I thought, what about Superman Lives? What about the crazy Nicolas Cage, Tim Burton Superman Lives that was like oh, very, wow. very close to coming out in like 1999? They were close to like, 
literally the sets were being built and they were weeks yeah. from production when it all got shut down so i said yeah. there's these three crazy superman live scripts online right now that anybody can download and read i decided to take chunks from all three and write my own script and uh we did that that was our follow-up to james bond and it was again it was really really funny my friend parker johnston who i think i mentioned last week he's more than likely going to be on this at some stage he Brilliant. played superman as nicholas cage and it was it was incredible it was it was genuinely amazing and it was really 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 funny but i've um one of the things that fascinates me about superman lives is if it had been made like one of the big things about it was that so much of the script was clearly designed with toys in mind that they, they, they just wanted to put loads of toys in there so that they'd have yeah, a... it's it, I, i'm not an expert on it but it, it was around the era of the batman and robin george schumacher movie big it time. was around that yeah yeah and batman and robin was a big part of why it eventually didn't get made it was because batman and robin was received really badly and didn't make as much money as the studio had hoped and they thought oh well let's tank this superman thing right now let's not make that but anyway i was thinking to myself you know like the merchandising and the hype around that movie would have been huge and they would have had everything they would have had toys and games and comics and everything else but they definitely would have had a series of trading cards so i've took it upon myself to design um uh, superman lives trading cards so if you go to my Redbubble, so it's redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash gothamite 27 i'll put the link up on our social media but I, I've some of those trading cards are up there for sale. You can buy them as stickers or T-shirts or anything like that. And I've basically taken all the concept art and the costume tests from the movie and kind of put them into a 1990s style trading card. And I, I think they look pretty cool. I don't know. Wow, you're a real nerd. I'm a super duper nerd. I've also been watching those of those in Clark, but we can talk about that again. <laughs> um, just speaking of Superman Lives, did you ever check out the the death of superman lives what happened the um the documentary made by john schnepp i have yeah no it's it's actually it's invaluable if you if you're in any way interested in superman lives by all means check out that documentary you can still you can you can buy it online from john schnepp's website i think um john schnepp obviously is no longer with us uh but in peace yeah unfortunately a tragic a tragic loss yeah yeah he did he did an amazing documentary he he got tim burton he got john peters he got everybody nicholas cage isn't in it unfortunately but like literally everybody else is there Kevin smith is in it as well yeah kevin Kevin smith Smith does an amazing interview um all, all the all the people who wrote drafts of the movie i think show up at some stage or another there's kevin smith Wesley Strick, who had absolutely no business writing the Superman movie, and uh, Dan Gilroy, I think, is the last guy. And I think Dan Gilroy's script is the one that was was closest to actually being made. Um, and there's loads and loads of concept art in the movie and or in the documentary, I should say. It's 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 really really something. So definitely check that one out. Um, I can't remember if that was crowdfunded or not, but I remember oh, it was. Yeah. I, it I, was I, yeah. And I, I remember I ordered it as soon as it came out, and it, it like you said there, it, it's a tremendous documentary. It, it's real, obviously it's a real niche subject matter, but it's a tremendous documentary. But I remember not long before it was officially released, there was a, a video of it or a link to it on YouTube, and I remember just going through YouTube, and I was like, oh, I, it, it's up on YouTube. I was like, that's strange for a crowdfunded um, documentary, you know. But I I ended up putting it on, and I was about thirty five minutes into it. And this is is classic John, John. You now, like it, it was about thirty five minutes into it, and it was a really good documentary. 
and around the 35 40 minute mark something strange started happening okay where uh, it looked like john was kind of he was in the middle of interviewing i think he was interviewing kevin smith and it was almost like he started vortexing out of the scene out of the interview <laughs> and next thing it was just you were transported in the middle of this documentary you remember like 40 minutes in you're transported to this hallway and there's these two rabbits like people in rabbit costumes at the top of the hall and they're kind of dancing down the hall sorry sorry so i don't want to cut across you there i'm pretty sure you're a you're a guard on you're a police officer you shouldn't be yes. talking about your lsd experiences no this is i was i was watching this i was like what is going on here and the, these like guys or a guy and a girl or whoever it was in, in rabbit costumes were dancing in this corridor and it went on for like two minutes what? and i was like okay this what's happening and i fast forwarded through the the video and it went on for a full hour and it was basically a kind of you know you shouldn't be watching this on youtube for free you know we put a lot of work into this you know pay for it that God is amazing it. you know and i remember thinking Fair play to you. That was like I was going to buy it anyway. It was yeah. just I thought, and I, I knew at the start. I was like, "What? Why is this on you? Why would he post this on YouTube?" But uh, it was a real, it was a real good kind of I gotcha um, joke. You know, it was that's you know that was, that he, he he was great at that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a tremendous documentary. I, I highly recommend people check that out. Absolutely, and um, you know, if you do like the documentary as well, I definitely recommend it. He has like this director's cut bundle thing you can buy. And it has uncut documentary or uncut interviews with Kevin Smith and John Peters. The uncut interview with John Peters is insane and amazing. And like what, what I was most surprised by, if anybody doesn't know who John Peters is, Google Kevin Smith, John Peters. And yeah. there's an incredible video on YouTube of Kevin Smith and he'll tell you all about it. But yeah, uh, Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith talks about John quite a bit in, in his, when he was doing those early Q&A's, you know, before he kind of got into the podcasting and stuff. And his his Superman Lives John Peters story is it's bananas. it's it's bonkers. But like listening to John Peters, I was like, OK, this guy is crazy. He's like out of his mind. But I kind of agree with him about a lot of this stuff. It was really, <laughs> really weird. And I still fundamentally think he doesn't understand Superman. But I. I, I, I do agree with him about a lot of sort of movie business sort of things that I, d I don't think yeah. Warner Brothers really understands about Superman sometimes. But anyway, again. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I definitely agree with that. And um, for me, not a huge Superman week. Well, I suppose a couple of things. Um, I watched the, I finally got around to watching the Zack Snyder uh, Justice League uh, film last night. And, and that this is the, the full Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Yeah, the four hour, four hour, one minute cut. I, I watched it on, I was at home alone last night. I was like, this is the perfect opportunity. My wife was at work. Uh, I poured myself a beer and sat down and I watched it on Sky Cinema here in Ireland. And it's fine. It's it's perfectly fine. Uh, I can't say it's for me. Um, looking back on it, I enjoyed it. I, I definitely enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed sitting down and, you know, it almost felt like kind of being in the cinema. I, I turned off the lights and I sat down. I poured myself a beer. I watched it. Um, I enjoyed the first hour. Again, you know, if you're a fan of Zack Snyder, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. You know, um, if you're not a fan of Zack Snyder and you didn't like the previous um, installments in, in, in this universe, you're not going to like it. It's not going to change your mind. Um, it's beautifully shot. It's very very epic it's perfectly cast you know um gal gadot 
Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill. I think they're all perfectly cast as as the characters. Um, but you know, for me, and don't get me wrong, it is better. I I, I did enjoy it more than I enjoyed the Joss Whedon two thousand and seventeen release. Um, but saying that, it definitely doesn't do, in my opinion, it definitely doesn't do Superman any justice. And even though I prefer this version of the film, I would think that I definitely prefer the Joss Whedon version of Superman. Yeah, um, I could understand. Minus the CGI mustache, of course, but he was a bit of an empty vessel in it, I thought, in this in this version. Um, he didn't really have much to do. He didn't really say much. He wasn't very Supermanish. Um, you know, Henry Cavill does a great job, and I think with the right script and the right film and the right director and producers and everything, he could be a fantastic Superman. But it didn't change my mind that I think, personally, that Zack Snyder was the wrong person to, to helm this universe from the get-go, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. And, and I think a lot of people who would be in a similar situation to you or me, whereby they, they haven't really appreciated these Snyder films, it hasn't been for them, they haven't enjoyed them. Yeah. I, I think a lot of those kinds of people are saying the same thing, that, you know, this was actually pretty good or even like very, some people are saying it's very good. Some people are saying it's definitely the best DC yeah. film they've seen by Zack Snyder. Um, I still feel like based on what I've heard about Superman in the movie, it, it just doesn't sound like it's for me. It sounds like Cyborg and The Flash were done a lot of justice in this movie. Yeah, um, like, and, and they are. Uh, there's pretty much no Superman in this film. There, you know, I mean, there's pretty much no Superman. And the Superman that is in the film, I mean, he doesn't really say anything. He doesn't really have any, you know, uh, deep scenes. Uh, there's no explanation for the black suit that he that he dons. Um, really? Yeah, no, there's, uh, it's, there's no explanation for it, and it's not really addressed at all. Um, there's no oh, well, well Alan, you're just not a fan of the comics. You just uh, you need to be a fan in order to enjoy Oh, I know, I know, I know. Look, and like I said, and I said in our last episode, you know, there are, are obviously a huge amount of people who love this universe and a lot of fans for it and they will love it. And, you know, I respect that. Absolutely. I absolutely um, respect it. And I'm sorry to yeah. come across you again. I absolutely respect it. But I do. I hate with every fiber of my being when people use, oh, you're you're just not a fan of the comics as an excuse yeah. for why you didn't enjoy a film. Because invariably, a lot of the time, I am a fan of the comics, and that's why yeah. I didn't enjoy the film. Yeah, and, and and like the, I said, there's there's loads of positives. Gal, Gal Gadot is a fantastic, fantastic Wonder Woman. I think um, uh, Jason Momoa is a fantastic Aquaman. I really enjoyed. I know he gets on some people's nerves, but I really think it's a it, it, there's a great Flash. Um, Ezra Miller plays a great Flash in it. Um, Ray Fisher has a lot more to do. The casting is superb. I really think the casting is superb, but it's just the overall tone of it. I It's just not for me. Um, now, I enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed sitting down there for four hours. You know, I wasn't looking at my watch at any stage. I was I was heavily involved in it. Uh, it's definitely better than previous installments. I, I much preferred it to uh, Batman v Superman. I okay. much preferred it to the, to the Joss Whedon version um, of the film. Now, I think it's a bit of an unfair comparison on, on, on Joss. Um, you know, it's a four-hour film. You know, there's basically no editor involved in this in this film at all. Um, it's clearly for the fans. It, you know, it's it's made by Zack Snyder for the fans, and they're going to absolutely love it. Um, uh, so you know, if, if you are a fan of those previous films, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, if you like those, you're going to love it. But you know, if it, like yourself, like you said the last time, you've invested a lot of hours into it, and you know, you've kind of you have to ask yourself when do you pull the plug. 
this isn't going to change it, change okay. your mind. You know, you're not going. This isn't going to turn you around. But um, you know, it, it was a, it's a, it's a, it is an epic. You can't deny that it's, it's a huge epic of a, of a, of a, of a piece of art. You know, it's, it's, it's. It, there's a lot to be applauded with it. Yeah, I, and, and I, I do think you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what you or I say about Zack Snyder's movies. Like, it, 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 it is an objective fact that they have you know struck a chord with yeah so many people like so many people love these movies and they really really mean something to them in yeah, a, in, a, in a way that i think prior versions of superman and batman and many other dc characters mean something to us so yeah. like it you know it 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 has its place in history like it will never be forgotten and you know absolutely what what the fans achieved like you know that that's it's something i, I won't say it's for the history books but it's you know, it's it's something that will go down, you know, in history in a sense, you know. What I would like to ask you though is, had this four hour opus been released in cinemas, mainstream cinemas where Joe Public buys a ticket and walks into the cinema to see Zack Snyder's Justice League, do you think it would have fared better than the Joss Whedon version? I think it would have fared better uh with fans all right i don't know if it would have fared better with a general audience i think asking anybody in a general audience to sit down for a four-hour film like the big thing i find with these movies is um you know you can't you can't criticize the the quality of them um in terms of how they're made and you know the cinematography and the you know all that kind of stuff but they're not really for kids now I know comic books in general. You can say it's it's like everything. There's there's versions for children right now. My my daughter loves watching. There's kind of Marvel shorts on a, on Disney Plus. Kind of it's almost Spider Man for babies basically. Okay. Um, you know, not not everything is for everybody. But I don't think I if I had a seven or an eight year old, I don't think I would have brought them to see this film. And when you're talking about Superman movies, I think that's an awful shame. Um, So I don't know if the overall audience of mums and dads would have have taken to it as much as people have applauded it um, in the way that it was released through streaming, um, which really was, you know, it's a four hour release. It's for the fans. You know, here it is. You can sit at home and watch it. You've been looking for it for this long. Um, you love the stuff that's come before. And this is kind of a gift to you. And, you know, in terms of that, it's, it's, it, it is what it is. Yeah. But, yeah, in terms of a four-hour general release, uh, I don't think it would have been. I think it would have, it might have been received better in terms of the quality of the film. But I think overall, I think people would have had an issue with the, with the length of it. And keep, um, keeping, the length would have, keeping in mind, like, the the general consensus for Batman versus Superman, the version that came out in cinemas, was fairly negative. Like it was like it was polarizing. Some people really liked it, but yeah. like the, the the majority of critics were against it. And the the second weekend in the box office, absolutely tanked. Like the first weekend was a huge yeah. hit, and then the second weekend plummeted. Like and yeah, and I the, remember I went to the premiere in Dublin, um, in the Savoy in Dublin. Um, the 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 boys in Dublin City, uh, Dublin City Comics and Collectibles hooked me up with tickets to go to the premiere, and I, I popped in before and I picked up a, a Batman Dark Knight Returns uh, statue collectible in the shop to say thanks or whatever. And myself, my wife went down to the cinema and they had you know it was all done up and it, it was nicely done. We went in and sat down and watched it. And, you know, a lot of that is word of mouth because when we were leaving the, 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 the cinema and the Savoy, for those who don't know, was kind of the, the main cinema in, in, the, in the heart of Dublin. Um, 
when we left, there wasn't much chatter going on. You know, a yeah. lot of people, you could, you, the vibe in the audience wasn't great afterwards. And I, I can imagine that's what affected that. I'd say that's what resulted in the in the serious drop the following week, you know. And you will get people who go, oh, look, you don't understand it. And you don't understand the comics. And you don't understand, yeah, that's fine. But if I go to a film and it's two and a half hours long and I leave and I didn't enjoy it, I didn't enjoy it. And, and that's yeah. it, you know. And, and I, I just think for me, like you know the, the box office and the, the the critical drubbing that film got like warner brothers obviously went okay well we've given this justice league movie to this guy and yeah. it's going to be four hours long and what if it gets a similar you know it i i'd say they panicked and they went look we can't let this go on the way it's going yeah and they they took it away and 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 you know Zack snyder went through a personal tragedy at the time we can't discount yeah, that either a, a like, tragedy that I, I as a father I, I i don't know how you would recover from that to be honest no, with you. and, I, and I, by, I, by all accounts there was a lot of dirty dealings done by warner brothers in order to sort of wrestle the movie away from him and yeah you know like he was clearly in the right in a lot of ways but i i think the decision they made purely from a financial point of view of going we cannot release this movie the way it is yeah. um i think was was you know we, but then at the same time the version they did release made no money either so yeah, yeah I, who knows yeah. what the right decision would have been I, I i think if it were me if i was the warner brothers executive and Zack snyder moved away i would have brought in someone and done what i said i was going to do which was let's finish Zack snyder's version and make it a two-hour yeah. movie and yeah. if there's time for a sequel great if not well sorry you know yeah whereas yeah. what they actually yeah. did was they brought joss whedon in and they changed the movie and who knows um maybe in another world it, it, it all turned out perfect but in, in this one it is what it is and like i said fans will you know there are fans who are going to love it um there are fans who love those films um you know it, like you said it means they mean as much to them as the christopher reeve films mean to to myself or lois and clark means to you um and you know uh, you know, for their sake, you know, it's it, it it was a great achievement what they achieved, you know, and it's such a great precedence going forward that, you know, the fans can be heard by studios. And, you know, you know, the more fans are listened to, you know, the better. I, um, I, I, I don't entirely agree with you on that one, Alan, by the way. I, I think I think it's good that fans have some kind of a voice. I, I, I think that voice can be weaponized. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, we have to stand back and go, well, actually, we're fans we're not creatives. Well, some yeah. of us aren't creative. You know, some not, not all of us are creatives. We don't necessarily know, you know, what makes the perfect, you know, product that's going to be successful to a wide audience. Like we don't always have that information when we're saying, oh, yeah, yeah you know, I wish they'd make a movie where Jonathan Kent lives for the whole thing or I wish they'd use this as a source material or I wish they do that. Like we don't actually have all the answers. And sometimes I think, you know, studios are starting to feel pressurized by fans a little bit too much. I think in yeah, this, and that, and that in, can in be seen case, very much. So in, that can be seen very much. So with the star Wars, um, with the, star the situation with star Wars at the moment. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. I think in this particular case we can go right. Well, something positive came out of it in a sense, you know, a director had his voice heard. People were pleased. You know that's all fine i think there was definitely a toxic subsection of the snyder fandom we can't yeah, deny that like that, even yeah. even with the reviews that came out a lot of critics 
you know, were were attacked once again, like as they were when Batman versus Superman came out. I think the Snyder fandom also did an incredible amount of good as well. We can't discount that. But I do think, like, definitely with Star Wars, with Last Jedi and Kelly Marie Tran, and and similarly with the Ghostbusters movie, like some yeah. of the, some of that cast left Twitter entirely because of the harassment they were getting from fans. Like, I don't necessarily think we need to listen to fans wholesale the way studios are starting to do. But yeah, I, that's a great point. I do agree, though, that fans should always have some kind of a voice in these cases. Yeah, and you know, sometimes when you get exactly what you want, you know, it, it doesn't turn out for the best. No. You know, um, like, I don't know what the answer is. When it comes to, like, this is a Superman podcast, when it comes to Superman himself, I don't know what the answer is cinematically going forward. I know, you know, looking at one of my picks here beside me, if I was uh, we will get Superman, to those very soon, I yeah, promise. If I, was, if I was making a Superman movie, I would literally just make uh, one of the books that I'm about to, we're about to talk about from my end. You know, that's what, what, what I would do. Um, and I know that, like, David S. Goyer was a big fan of one of the books that, I, that I'm uh, we're going to touch on here that I'm going to pick. It's one of my picks. It's an origin story. Um, and obviously he wrote Man of Steel and that. And there are certain elements you can see between the two. But overall, you know, he obviously did his own thing. Um, but look, we're, we're we're in the hands of the gods, really, in in what happens next and where the where the franchise is going to go. Is Henry going to come back? Is it going to be somebody else? You know, is it going to be an overall um, reshuffle? You know, like is DC going to get there? Kevin Feige to to get things in order? Who knows? I I, I don't know what the answer is, but um, at the end of the day, we will just have to wait and see. Very well said. So uh, will we jump into our uh, our our picks? Will, will will we kind of announce first of all what our picks are? And then we'll kind of do them in a bit of a jumbled order. Perfect. Yeah. Um, do you do you, you do you want to go first? I'm going to let you go first, Alan. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, well, my first pick is uh, Speeding Bullets, and I know it's a strange pick Speeding for someone. Bullets. Yeah, it's that's a deep. It's a deep cut. Um, it was written by J.M. Uh, Dimitrius. Um, with art by Eduardo Brito, and it was done back in 1993, and it's an Elseworlds story. Um, so for those of you who, obviously, I'd say a lot of people know what an Elseworlds story is, but for those of you who don't know what an Elseworlds story is, it's basically a what-if story. Um, it's a story that takes the basic principles of um, a character or a world and then just changes them slightly. Um, and it was actually the first Superman book that I ever read. Um, I I was bought for me. I think my mother bought it for me, around the time Lois and Clark was coming out, or was out. It was out. Lois and Clark was definitely out. It was out around season one or two, and my mother um, picked it up for me, and I read it, and it blew my mind at the time. And it's just been an important book for me ever since. Um, it's I had watched the Christopher Reeve films. I'd watched Lois and Clark, um, the the Superman the animated series and Smallville and that hadn't come yet, and it was the first book that I was handed with Superman. Uh, a blazed across the cover and batman was featured on the front and i loved it so that's going to be my first pick it's going to be uh superman speeding bullets um i'm gonna second... i'm gonna jump in there and say that yep. speeding bullets was actually also possibly the first superman comic i ever read as well you're kidding me yeah i, w- I was only about three or four i couldn't actually read yet but I remember flipping the pages and thinking something's something's wrong here. <laughs> like, why why have they blended both of these characters together? But anyway, we'll get back to that. Yeah, yeah. So that's my first pick. My second pick then is uh, my favorite Superman origin. 
out of all the Superman origins that have, have ever been done. It's uh, Superman Secret Origin, written by um, um, Jeff Johns, with art by Gary Frank, who is one of my favorite, favorite comic book artists of all time. Mm. Um, that was released in, there was a series that ran for a couple of issues between 2009 and 2010. I love that book. Um, and you know there's been a couple of origin stories obviously over the last even just over the last 30 or 40 years um, but that is by far one of my favorites Um, I love the book and then the third book that I'm going to cover is Superman Brainiac now I was going to go like I said earlier on with with Kingdom Come by Mark Wade, but I I had to admit you know generally speaking these are the two of the books that I go back to the most is is Superman Secret Origin and Superman Brainiac I just find them to be so much fun and they're basically movies on a page and I just love everything about them I love the art I love the humor I love the characterization and Superman Brainiac came out around 2008 I believe and then Secret Origin is pretty much a prequel to it um so they they're kind of set in the same continuity um and I can't wait to go through them in in, in more detail. So th- those are my picks. Um, and just off the back of you talking about Superman Brainiac, before I get into my picks, I very nearly chose Superman Last Son, which Ooh, uh, very good. which came right before Brainiac, I think, and it was it also did. written by Jeff Johns and quote unquote Richard Donner. And uh, yeah, it's it's again, it's a super duper fun book. It's full of mythology. It's fun of it's full of kind of. You know homages to previous versions of superman the superman movies uh all that kind of stuff and i i really really love that book and as you say if i was just sitting down on a saturday afternoon you know maybe with an ice cold beverage you know it's the kind of superman comic that i just maybe i'll just give this a read you know it's not a heavy yeah. read it's just a super fun read and uh yeah it very nearly made my list uh, my uh, list and I, I, go, sorry yeah, go on no I was just going to say uh, you know Se- Secret Origins and um, and Brainiac are great jumping off points you know if anybody was ever to ask 100%. me 100% you know I just want to read a book um, to see if I like it or I just want to you know dip my toe in um, and I don't want to have to go through like even you know uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths was pushing 40 years ago now um, so you know I just want to dip my toe into something and see if I like it I, I think they're great recommendations for fans like that you know who um, just want to see if it's something that they would like they might like the films or the TV series or whatever and um, sometimes I find the continuity can be a little bit overwhelming so uh, these are books that I would always recommend to people who ask me you know yeah no 100% um, so my three picks are as follows I have The Return of Superman which uh, is possibly a strange one so a lot of people would say The Death of Superman because it's kind of yeah the quintessential story that everybody mentions it's it, it's on all the top 10 lists or whatever Dead Superman's a lot of fun. It's a big slugfest with Doomsday. There's a really uh, interesting and cool moment towards the third act where Superman has the choice to end the fight with Doomsday really quickly or save a family that are dying or that are in a in a burning house and he decides to save the family. And that's the, the crucial moment where he ends up like throwing the fight essentially. And, he, you know, he eventually has you know a great big epic battle with doomsday on the streets of metropolis and it, and he does eventually beat doomsday but he dies in the process whereas if he'd ended the fight much earlier he might have defeated him much easier and it, it, it's a whole kind of greek tragedy thing it's really really interesting then obviously the the second chapter world without a superman which is arguably the most interesting part of the story which is how does the world react to the death of the man of steel um mm. but for me my favorite part of the story is actually the return of superman which is 
when the the four kind of imposter Superman show up, uh, all kinds of crazy hijinks comes on, happens, and then Superman actually comes back at the end. Uh, I'll I'll get into it in more detail, but it that's my favorite uh, part of that trilogy, and um, I'll I'll talk about kind of why I chose it in a little bit more detail. I don't believe it's one of the best Superman stories ever told. But, uh, yeah, and and that's a, that's a great point to just emphasize. I mean, we're not saying that these are the greatest Superman books ever written. Well, um, <laughs> some of them are. <laughs> we're, we're we're really kind of saying like these are our favorite books. Like if yeah. if we're reaching for the shelf, this is is what we enjoy reading. This is what we we, we, we what means a lot to us. Yeah. Um. It's not necessarily you know like these are the top three ever. And if if you don't agree, you're you know you're stupid or whatever. That's not what we're saying at all. They're these are just our own personal favorites. Yeah um so then my two other picks um one of them is superman birthright which um so alan chose superman's secret origin i throws superman birthright and um yeah i i think two origin stories up against each other basically uh, so underneath superman birthright it says the origin of the man of seal and i can't really uh disagree with that and that's (laughs) that's that's about all i'm gonna say what i will say is um alan you made an excellent point that you know if someone had a young child and they were saying you know what's a great jumping off point what should i start with i probably might be more inclined to suggest superman secret origin or the john byrne reboot from the from the 80s from the 80s yeah if superman if someone was if superman if someone was to say to me i think superman's really boring and really crap and he's too powerful and he's too good and he's not an interesting character and i don't want to read any superman comics then i would say read superman birthright and i've done it before and it works yeah um but we'll get back into that the final choice um was a um an underrated classic um from the late 2000s um not a lot is said of this story uh, it is, of course, Superman and Batman fight vampires and werewolves. Superman and Batman fight vampires and werewolves. <sighs> no, it's not that. It's um, <laughs> it, although believe it, that it that that it, that actually is a comic. It's one of the worst Superman comics ever written. I'd believe it, but for a second there, I was like, I was, I was just taking a drink, and I, the next thing I just I was like. What did he just say? You, you just <laughs> spat your Guinness out all over the laptop screen. No, uh, my my final choice is All Star Superman. Um, Alan said earlier that you know we're not trying to say that these are the greatest Superman stories ever told, and you're an idiot if you don't think so. All Star Superman is the greatest Superman story ever told, and you're an yeah, idiot and, if you and, don't and think so. To, to be to be honest, uh, All Star Superman definitely probably would have made um, one of my three. I I knew I I knew in my heart and soul that you were going to pick All Star Superman, so I didn't want to have a, a pick a book that we you know that yeah. we both picked the same one. But um, yeah, you you can't uh, you can't overemphasize just how good All Star Superman is. It is a great great book. It's beautiful. So so yeah. let's uh, let let's get into speeding bullets. Perfect. So. Speeding Bullets, like I said earlier on, uh, written by uh, J.M. DeMatteis and the artist was Eduardo Brito. Now, it was released in 1993 and it's an Elseworlds story. And the concept of the story is what if Clark Kent's ship, instead of landing in Kansas, had landed in Gotham City and instead of being discovered by the Kents, had been discovered by Martha and Thomas Wayne. Um, and we've seen these stories over the last couple of years. Um, we've seen it with Superman Red Sun. You know, what if, if Superman's ship had landed in the Soviet Union? But uh, like I said, I, this is probably, I'm, I'm fairly confident this is the first Superman book that I ever read. And 
it's just it i love it i love it i love everything about it well almost everything about it um but it was written back in 1993 and it's it's just a great it's it, it's elseworlds done right and there's some great elseworld stories out there but i i really just i've always enjoyed reading this book um so it's it's the 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 construct of it that it's kind of narrated by lois lane and just to say like there's obviously going to be spoilers here it's a it's a 30 year old book so and all these these books are a good few years old so we will be going into spoilers straight off the bat so you know but i don't think it'll ruin the ruin the the reading experience at all Uh, no um so it's basically narrated by lois lane um uh, and the first couple of pages are done beautifully the art here is absolutely stunning it's um kind of done in almost like a photo album um aesthetic where you're kind of looking at photographs of uh clark or, or bruce's life so uh, the 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 story is basically that the ship lands outside of gotham city it's discovered by by martha and thomas on their way to a governor's dinner um, they recover the child obviously in this version they martha's not pregnant with bruce yet and they bring the child who's kal-el back to wayne manor and martha kind of she names kal-el bruce it's just it's it's such a great idea i just it it, it fascinated me as a, as a kid it fascinates me now i hadn't read it in a couple of years i read it this week in preparation for this and i was just as i was in straight away from the opening page i was in the book um it features the death of obviously martha and wayne everything uh, martha and thomas kind of goes the same way as it does in the original batman story um you know they go down they come out of the the zorro movie in the monarch theater they go down crime alley joe chill jumps out i think honestly it's my favorite depiction of the wayne murder in comics yeah i just i love it i i think it's it's beautifully i was going to say shot it's almost like a film and what i love about it is the style of it It, it's very kind of film noir uh like the use of light in it is unbelievable i really just think that the the art is if you're a fan of artists like neil adams and and that kind of that generation of artists i think you're going to love this book um it's you know he comes out of the shadows you can see that the anguish and the pain on on uh, bruce's face as his parents are killed and then there's the twist and the big twist is is that this is the moment that kal-el discovers his powers he doesn't manage to save martha and thomas but uh, after he's killed he starts crying and in this version joe chill is about uh, shoots bruce wayne shoots kal-el um, obviously the bullets have no effect on him joe chill gets um, startled and then in a fit of rage uh, the heat vision bursts from kal-el's eyes and Favors. basically disintegrates joe chill's face and it's just that it, it's it's beautifully done the art is outstanding the writing is crisp i love it i think it's it's a great great version and we've all seen the wayne's killed numerous different ways books television film but i i honestly think this is one of my favorite versions of that um and then you kind of fast forward in time and bruce is kind of secluded in wayne manor um, and we'll, we'll just call him Bruce. He is Kal-El. He is Superman, but he's he, he's Bruce Wayne in, in this version. He's not Clark Kent. And he is he doesn't really remember what happened on the night that his parents were killed. And he is obsessed with crime, crime in the city. Um, he, he cuts uh, paper, um, uh, newspaper clippings in relation to different crimes, and he hangs them on the wall inside in, in a room in, in Wayne Manor. And 
Alfred is present and Alfred is trying to, you know, basically convince him to go outside. He, um, Alfred makes a comment that, you know, he's basically sleeps all day and he's up all night and he has breakfast at 9 p.m. and this kind of stuff. And again, the art, I just can't overemphasize how beautiful a book this is. Um, and basically what happens is, is that Wayne Manor is broken into and Bruce uh, kicks a bit of ass there and, and kind of takes care of the, of the crew who come in. He, they hold Alfred hostage and he, he kind of takes them on one by one. And after that occurs, he decides, uh, Alfred decides to, to fill Bruce in on exactly what happened, where he's from. And brings him down to the Batcave, uh, which was just an empty cave at the time, and shows him the ship that was sent from Krypton. And he reads Thomas Wayne's journals to find out exactly what happened the night that he was found. And he decides then, he hears the bats in the, almost like the rafters of the of the cave. And he flies up and he becomes one with the bats, basically. And he dons this... Um, it's a beautiful amalgamation of the Superman and Batman suit. And I have to say, I think it's one of my favorite Batman suits. Kind, do you know kinda, the suit that I'm talking about? I do, I, I'm actually looking at it right now. It kind of goes beyond that again. It, it feels like, and, and and this is kind of one of the thoughts I had about this series overall. It, it, it doesn't just feel like what if Superman or what if, what if Batman was Superman or what if Superman was Batman. It feels also like this artist was given free reign to draw their own Batman costume a little bit. Yeah. Um, because it's very modernized he's kind of got these like ribbed side portions his mouth is completely covered which we wouldn't really see until batman beyond he's got these kind of like kind of more armored gauntlet kind of things almost like the michael keaton gloves yeah so his 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 face is, is completely covered in kind of that that kind of spider-man style it, you know the cowl covers his whole face which makes perfect sense like you know it never makes sense why batman's mouth is exposed i, I don't think but his his whole face is well completely Alan, covered. i mean have you ever worn a face covering during a pandemic <laughs> no well <laughs> i have yeah they're it's really uncomfortable, uncomfortable. <laughs> um and i i love the the s uh the, the the chest symbol is is kind of superman's diamond um so it's kind of stretched out but then it's the classic batman you know yellow background uh bat on it it's it's beautifully done yeah. Yeah, it's like a, it's a pentagonal kind of design with the bat yeah. in it. It's uh, it's yeah. it's kind of a nice amalgamation there. Yeah, it's great. And then the cape is very. The cape almost has. It's very gothic. It, it it's even more so than the normal Batman cape. It it always kind of reminds me of something. It's almost very Spanish. It's something like Todd McFarlane would come up with. Um, and I love that. I'd I'd love to get a figure or something. I don't even know. I never even researched to see if you could get a figure if a figure was ever released. But I'd love to get some kind of version of this, of this in my in my collection. Um, but so basically, he dons this Batman suit and he 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 goes to work around Gotham. But he's not he's he's not Superman in a Batman suit per se. He's he's a very different version of. Um, both characters he's very angry um he's very aggressive um there's a scene later on where he actually saves lois lane so basically what happens is it turns out that lex luther was an accident uh in a chemical accident he uh, has been in seclusion for a year and then he moved to gotham he came out of seclusion and he's moved to gotham and he's decided to basically buy up gotham city um, and he wants to take over, a, a ta a do a takeover of Wayne Enterprises. And just as uh, Penn is about to hit paper, Bruce Wayne walks in, very similar to what happens in Batman Begins um, with Rudger Hauer. And Bruce Wayne walks in and kind of puts the kibosh on the deal, which maddens Lex Luthor. And then 
he decides basically he's, he he owns the Gotham Gazette or he buys the Gotham Gazette and because Lex has had free reign in Metropolis the planet is is basically basically owned by Lex the 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 reporters or everybody's kind of been put out of out of work so he hires uh Perry White to run the the Gotham Gazette he hires Lois Lane you know the planet's top reporter she comes over so it kind of brings some of the superman characters into Gotham and yeah, Lois gets into into bother on a night out. He comes to Batman comes to the rescue. He is vicious when it comes to dispatching of the people the lads who are. It's insinuated that they're going to sexually assault her, and he is vicious in his um, taking down of these guys. And where he is expecting Lois to be all about him, she is horrified by his viciousness, basically, and 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 tells her to get away from him. And what you have over the next couple of of uh, pages is uh, a story that it evolves to basically what 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 jm de Mateus has done and this is where it kind of loses some people um it doesn't use batman villains which to be fair i think is a fair criticism of it i almost would have preferred if it did use the batman villains uh, it turns out basically that lex luthor is the joker in this version now this is is the point of the story where it, it it can lose people and even for me it is a bit of a stretch it is a little bit contrived but it turns out that uh, lex was was very badly injured in the chemical accident that he was in he's basically turned into the joker um he has a a, a vendetta against bruce wayne or kal-el and, and, he and the way i'm uh, sorry to interrupt the, the way pardon? they uh reveal that lex is the joker is very similar to the way the Joker reveals himself in the 1989 movie. He kind of like walks yeah. into the room in silhouette and then he like takes his hat off and then he like removes a Lex Luthor mask from his face and he's the Joker yeah. underneath. And and like there's hints of it throughout the book in that he wears, you know, he, he, you see Lex Luthor in silhouette for a good bit and he's kind of wearing purple gloves and you can see kind of the, the uh, purple uh, lapels on his jacket and stuff and you can kind of see it coming but... I don't know if that element of the story quite works. Um, you know, Lex Luthor is so um, ingenious and the Joker is so insane that I don't know if it melds together great. But I, I can I, I, I appreciate what they were what they were trying to do. And, you, you know, you take it on face value. It, you know, it's an Elseworlds story. And in this version, I suppose, maybe Jack Napier or, or the Joker was killed in the Red Hood heist that turned him into the Joker because Batman wasn't there. Um, you know, Lex Luthor was was injured in this chemical accident because Superman wasn't there, and it's kind of this perfect storm. Um, but basically, his his plan is to take over Gotham City, and uh, Batman stops him. Now he stops him quite easily, but he his first instinct his first instinct is to kill him. He doesn't do that because Lois basically holds him back, and then she teaches him that he can be better. He can be a better man than than what he what than the man that he is. And he should aspire to be more and aspire to be a beacon of hope. And the book ends with him then basically donning a new version of the Superman suit um, and, and changing his mantle from Batman to Superman. Um, and I just, I love the book. I I, I think it, there's a fantastic Lois Lane in it. Um, she's real tough. She's a go-getter. You know, she's highly intelligent. She's, she's you know, she's a, a lot of Lois Lanes over the last while have been kind of, weak i think and she's just one of the best versions of that character you know you know she takes no shit she's she's a great version of of the journalist lois lane um and i love that about it um 
yeah it's 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 just a great the cover of the book is a beautiful homage to the uh superman number one from 1939 you know that that book where he's kind of hovering over the city it's kind of this beautiful version of that kind of you know obviously altered that it's batman you know in in the exact same pose as superman was in that in that famous cover um it's yeah there's so much to it i think they got 90 90 percent of it right um and i think the art is out of this world i think it's just a beautiful beautiful book i think the the execution is 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 done very well and yeah i i just think it's a great it's a great little story i, I just want to point out especially the, the the final image you see once uh bruce wayne kal-el whatever you want to call him once he decides to, he no longer wants to be batman and now he's superman instead it's yeah. this beautiful 1990s uh redesign of the superman costume where he has this like full face mask that doesn't cover his eyes or his mouth and it stops at his head so his hair comes out kind of like the gambit suit and he, yeah. he's got gloves it's uh it's it's kind of silly looking in 2021 but i love he has no trunks and he has no belt i don't think he has no trunks he has no belt no. but yeah it's it's that's a great it's, it's very much like the the gambit headpiece it, it, um, it, it is it, it is quite silly actually to look at but i kind of love it anyway i love that it exists if that makes sense yeah i i wouldn't be i like the i think the batman suit is is fantastic the superman suit yeah i wouldn't rate the superman suit yeah. nearly as highly um in in the story uh, the joker basically does a very penguin thing actually and shoots bruce wayne in the gotham gazette he's he he basically takes on the role of editor-in-chief of the got of the gotham gazette and the joker comes in with an umbrella and shoots him and he goes out the window so his identity is kind of exposed when he when he rocks back up so i think he's kind of by the end of the book he kind of abandons the the bruce wayne persona and he's basically this new version of superman where everybody knows exactly who he is um so that's 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 new obviously that's you know that's very different to, to what came before it's interesting um, as you mentioned the penguin like this lex Luthor is kind of an amalgamation of the joker and the penguin like he has the the yeah. uh, helicopter thing that comes out of his back sort of like the penguin and batman returns and th- yeah. there's there's more than a few references to like the tim burton batman movies in this i it's it's a little yeah. while I, I i admit i haven't read it in preparation for this but there's a couple of like reference like direct references to those movies isn't there and you have to remember this is only what four years after the 1989 film it's only a year after it's already written around the same time that they were filming the 1992 um batman returns film with yeah. michael keaton so it would have been right in the heart right in in the center of that kind of uh, era of 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 the batman mythology and i i just really love it it's a great narrative like it's a great um it's real nature versus nurture and that that's something that's always fascinated me you know if you take one person out and just swap their circumstances do they turn into the same person or is it how the person is raised that that defines who they become as a as a man you know and that that's always fascinated me um and i like the fact that at the end he he kind of you know he he becomes what he what he was always meant to be and that's the the superman that we all know um but yeah that's speeding bullets yeah i i I think i mentioned earlier as well speeding bullets was i i feel like it might actually be the first comic i ever owned like as a three or a four year old someone must have given it to me and i i must have been familiar enough with superman and batman at the time that i was reading this going hang on a second what 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 why are both of these characters mashed together and i remember my dad explaining to me that oh yeah this is obviously a different version and you know yeah and, and, and I'm just looking at the images here. I, I mentioned the Tim Burton movie a couple of times. 
I feel like they drew Lois Lane to look a little bit like Vicky Vale in this. Like Vicky Vale oh, as that's she a good point. as she appears in the eighteen like the, the Kim Basinger kind of Vicky Vale. Like she's got that very sort of big hair, especially in sort of the later um in the third act. You can kind of see anyway, just You can kinda of see it, yeah. Uh, what I what something that always sticks with me and I, I forget uh after I've read this for you know I read it every couple of years and I forget why I like it so much and then I open it and after the first like literally those first kind of five six pages the the first page that you open it you, you see the ship uh, rocketing away from Krypton and then you see it landing and those first few pages where it's that like I said earlier that real film noir black and white style um exquisite use of light you know the art is just fantastic unfortunately um Eduardo the the artist passed away a couple of years ago um, and he's a great loss but he like this he he really brought some great depth to the drawings and to the art of this book um and it's it you know 30 years later it's 28 years old now and it i think it still stands my only criticism of it i don't quite think that the joker thing works um the lex luther joker amalgamation i don't think that quite works yeah i, I any time i've read it I, I i have felt that the sort of the third act sort of doesn't really fit together the way the initial parts do but i i do enjoy it yeah well, yeah, yeah I, I i probably would have preferred to see how kal-el would have dealt with the actual joker but it you know it's a very small nitpick because uh, it's it, it'll always have pride of place on, on my shelf I, I i love speeding bullets so yeah. um yeah that's that's my that's my first choice very well chosen um my Thank first you. choice is the return of superman as i said already um so i haven't chosen this because i think it's one of the best superman stories ever i've just chosen it because it's my favorite part of that sort of trilogy of stories the death of superman and it's 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 my favorite for a number of reasons first of all um superman is actually in it uh he's not in the second chapter of the story world without a superman um he's absent for about like it's something like 12 or 13 consecutive issues of various different Superman comics that Superman is completely wow. not in at all like he's like he's dead you know um and and in fairness he's he's not in a sizable chunk of this story either he's in kind of the last sort of six or seven issues but essentially what you have is in the first chapter um the death of Superman there's a big slug match with Doom, Doomsday he uh defeats Doomsday dies in the process world without a Superman then is this sort of funeral story how does Lois Lane react to Superman's death? How does the world react? Um, it's a really, really interesting story. It goes on a little bit longer than it needs to. The return of Superman then, which I think is the most interesting part of the story, uh, four, four people show up in Metropolis claiming to be the real Superman. So you have uh, super... You have quote-unquote Superman the Kid who is a young man in a leather jacket um, who claims to be a clone of the original Superman. So he doesn't actually claim to be Superman, but he claims to be a clone of him. Uh, you have a literal man of steel who is a guy in a big steel suit of armor and a red cape and holding a hammer. Um, you have a, a guy calling himself the last son of Krypton who is kind of a darker, more morally gray um, guy who clearly looks like Superman. He, for all intents, is looks like superman he wears a golden visor and he has kind of these energy blasty kind of things but he's a lot more kind of um much more of an anti-hero he's clearly looser when it comes to you know uh violence and things like that he's not as kind of he doesn't have as much of a strict moral code as the superman we know has and, yeah. and then you have a guy who 
claims to be Superman with cyborg uh, attachments. Uh, like Terminator, half Terminator, half Superman. Exactly. And and he just very much claims to just be Superman back to life. And um, for for most of the story, he appears to just be Superman. And um, everyone is sort of convinced, even Lois herself starts to believe that maybe this guy's the real deal. There's all these interlocking storylines coming together. And we follow the different adventures of all these four different Supermen. Uh, the cyborg he saves the president who i believe is drawn to look like bill clinton and hillary clinton is in there as well <laughs> and good. he gains the trust of the people based on that the kid then is co-opted by uh i believe lex Luthor at this point in the story uh i might be wrong i i didn't get a chance to read the whole thing by the way because it's it's something like 30 issues it's an absolute mammoth but what it all culminates in is spoiler warning the cyborg superman is actually a villain a man named hank henshaw who is a spoof of reed richards from the fantastic four he was in yeah. a his spaceship crashed it's basically the origin of the fantastic four superman tried he's basically to save the him. inverse reed richards he's the he's the the opposite side of that coin exactly and what happened yeah. was he went crazy and became this sort of ghost in the machine type thing where he could co-opt mechanical machinery type thing and take them over and he's on a mission to destroy uh metropolis slash the world because he knows how much it means to Superman. And he goes to Coast City, which is the home of Green Lantern, and he creates this thing called Engine City, where he tries to take over the city and create this sort of cyborg apparatus around it so that um, his friend Mongol, who is another Superman villain, can come in. And it's, it's, it's just a whole bunch of crazy, anyway, long story short. In amongst all of this, the real Superman is resurrected in the Fortress of Solitude, and what what does he wear, Rob? Oh, that's a very good question, Alan. So um, I mentioned the last son of Krypton earlier on. The last son of Krypton is actually the Eradicator. He is a being who is his sole purpose is to restore and retain the sanctity of Kryptonian life or something like that. So once Superman dies, he's activated. He kind of thinks that he is Superman for a while and he's sort of... Uh, sucks the life force out of the dead body and then once the eradicator is incapacitated the robots in superman's fortress of solitude put him in a resuscitation chamber and he comes back to life and finally he's back to life wow. but he doesn't have his powers back yet so he wears this black suit that helps him uh store solar energy quicker and my whole point with all of this alan is that the continuity in these stories at this point in time was absolutely bonkers and crazy <laughs> and off the wall and it had so many layers upon layers of oh and then this thing is here and the birthing matrix ha helped Hank Henshaw come back to life and then it also brought the eradicator and there's all these different sort of story threads feeding into each other and they're all so crazy and so complicated and so convoluted and yet somehow it works it works i remember my my um eradicator stories i remember being at dublin city comic on there a couple of years ago and um 
I can't remember the store. It had a stand. I think it was Dublin City Comics and Collectibles. They had a stand, and in the middle of all their figures, they had an original Eradicator figure. You know, the guy with the the, the shades, the big ninety sh- shades. Oh, I know. And I was, oh, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, I have to have it, I have to have it. And Stacy was like, that looks weird or strange. I was like, I have to have it. You don't understand. It's the Eradicator. Um, so I picked him up, kind of loose from Dublin City Comics and Collectibles. And uh, yeah, I love him. He 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 stands pride of place now in the in the cabinet. So- <laughs> The reason, like, and, and, and just to, to get back, so Superman obviously wears a black suit. Uh, you know, his powers come back very slowly. In the last couple of issues of the story, they go on this big epic quest to stop uh, Cyborg Superman and Mongol. And the, the, the Superman we know and love, he, he is sort of semi-depowered. He doesn't have all his powers back. And he's kind of toting this, uh, you know, laser blaster and he's shooting all these robots and it's okay because they're robots. They're not people, so they're not, you know, living creatures. And, you know, you're reading this comic and you're just going, oh, okay, okay, okay. Obviously, a Warner Brothers executive read this and thought, there's our movie. (laughs) Because (laughs) like Kingdom Come, I mentioned earlier on being a cursed monkey's paw, the, the death of Superman and very much the return of Superman have very, like Warner Brothers have just been obsessed with them ever since they came out. The death of Superman yeah. was like one of the first comics at the time in a long time to sell like a million copies or something like that. It was an absolute bonanza. Like it sold so many copies. And yeah, like it was on national news that Superman had died. It was know, on national like was, news. And yeah. like it was the first time Warner Brothers were like, okay, maybe we have something here. And remember Warner Brothers had, they'd, retrieved the rights back from the saw kinds at that point in the early 90s yeah. and they were that they, they had full control of the superman license where movies were concerned for the first time ever and they were like how do we make this into a movie and they saw this comic selling so well and they were like oh my god this is what we do yeah and for better or worse that's what they spent the next kind of 15 years trying to do for you know it, with various degrees of success but the reason i've chosen this isn't because I think it's an amazing story. I, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's bonkers. I think it's, you know, there's there's just so much going on in it. But the reason I chose it is that, for me, the Man of Steel revamp in 1986 and then going up as far as the death of storyline and then the return of Superman storyline. And then for another few years after that, I, I think from about 1986 all the way up until sort of the early 2000s, they had this really solid Superman mythology in the comics that just, you know, hung together really tightly and they had this really, you know, steady continuity. It just felt like one big cohesive world for about 15 or nearly 20 years. Like up until I think it was Infinite Crisis was where they finally drew the line and said, no, we're going back to basics. We're, we're doing the whole thing again. I just think it's, it's amazing that they managed to keep this one version of Superman going for so long. And I think the reason I've chosen the return of Superman specifically is there's so many parts of the mythology that still exist out of that story. Like yeah. you have Superboy, uh, Connell, which is what they call him now. That was the name they gave him much, much later. But essentially Connell, who is a young clone of Superman, he's he's still in the comics now. Like Steel, um, John Henry Irons, he, he kind of comes and goes, but I think he's still there at the moment. Um, the cyborg he kind of drifted away a little bit I think a lot of his kind of power set and what he does and what he's about is very similar to kind of some of the more modern iterations of Brainiac so he can be a little bit redundant sometimes 
Um, but he he was there for a long time, and he did come back as recently as the Superman Reborn arc, um, which was only a couple of years ago. And similarly, the Eradicator is the same way. I think the Eradicator is one of the most underrated characters in the Superman mythos. Yeah, he's great. Uh, I think the only reason he hasn't really taken off is because his origin is so difficult to explain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, like you, go on, like sorry. you said, there, the, 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 like it has such, it's had such far-reaching effects. Like we've seen, like Doomsday in the in the recent Zack Snyder movies. We've seen Doomsday in, oh. um, in Smallville. I, I couldn't care less about Doomsday, by the way. But go on. Yeah. Um, we've seen um, we've seen Hank Henshaw in the Supergirl series in season one of the Supergirl series. You know, like I mean, it really has. It's 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 lasted. It's lasted the last twenty years. You know, it's 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 really had a great a long lasting effect on on all the mythology and the legacy of of the character. You know, it really has. But yeah, that's that's Return of Superman. I I think it's a lot of fun, and I think that the post crisis stretch of the the sort of 15 to 20 years there where they just had a really cohesive superman continuity um it's something yeah. to be celebrated and i don't think they've managed to do it ever since i think and i and, and we'll probably get into that with our with our origin story picks um yeah they kind of keep cycling back to you know oh oh shit like let's just start it all again you know that they've done it yeah. three or four times now in in the last sort of 10 or 15 years um whereas here's a version where not only did they stick to the same story and the same continuity for like a really long stretch of time they also brought in these lasting elements of the mythology that are still with us today so i think that's really really special uh, now admittedly you're going to be going holy shit <laughs> like some of this is crazy yeah. like just the layers upon layers of continuity but like i also find it kind of weirdly nostalgic kind of just thinking back to how crazy comics used to be and how much they demanded that you just read everything whereas now yeah. now there's so much more that they kind of apologize for that a little bit more and yeah i don't know i think there's something kind of nice about that in a way yeah i'd agree with that i'd agree with that so but, uh, that that's great a great choice yeah so will we move on to uh what's our next one brainiac i think is it yes take it away so this is the one that I that I it was kind of a last minute pick, but like I said earlier on, I was going to choose Kingdom Come, and then I swapped it out at the last minute because I I've definitely read this book more than I've read Kingdom Come, even though Kingdom Come is is such a phenomenal um, piece of work. Um, this is written by Jeff Johns with art by Gary Frank, one of my favorite um, artists. I I love Gary Frank's work. Uh, it's five issues. It was released in two thousand and eight, um, and it's basically the story of superman's first proper interaction with uh, brainiac and it's probably my favorite version of brainiac i think um obviously we haven't seen him on the big screen yet um we've seen different incarnations Which is or bonkers by the way but anyway crazy go on. crazy and i know they tried to do you know originally the script with superman 3 was it was going to be some kind of variation of brainiac and i in my own head canon i kind of think that the computer is kind of a brainiac knockoff yeah um in superman 3 but they've never really done it and you've we've kind of had these kind of knockoff versions and things like smallville uh tv wise i have to say um krypton did a great job with um I still their haven't seen brainiac yeah it's it's another one of those tv series that's like you know let's make a show about 
you know batman's milkman or batman's postman <laughs> or you know um it's it's it, it was fine i i didn't stick with it for the whole for the whole season but the brainiac episodes like he they seem to have done it right i've seen one or two of the episodes with them and they've got the ship right and they got the look right and they you know uh, it's definitely the closest thing the closest thing to this version of brainiac that that we've ever seen in live action um and I love my first encounter with Brainiac was in Superman the Animated Series, um, that version of Brainiac. And I loved the fact, and I love when they do it that Brainiac is responsible for the destruction for the destruction of Krypton. Um, I always like that um, version of the story. Um, in the animated series, he was kind of a home planetary. He's like the Krypton Alexa, basically. Um, whereas in this, he is from a different planet altogether. And he travels around and he what I, what I like about it is they kind of bring back the Silver Age version of Brainiac a little bit or they definitely play a homage to it. Um, he, he his whole shtick is basically that he will land on a planet. Uh, he will uh, bottle uh, the, the primary city of that planet. So say the New York um, of the planet he'll bottle it he'll basically put a force field around it and transport it shrinks it down and transports it up to his ship which is beautifully designed as this big skull ship that he travels around in um and he's basically a collector so what he does then is he, he either travels to, to to worlds that are about to be destroyed you know naturally and if not he shoots a probe off into the sun and causes a supernova and destroys the planet and his whole shtick is that he is the collector he is the, the holder of the 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 sum of all that world's knowledge because he has their main city shrunk down to bottle size basically and that was something that he did in the silver age and it's 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 really well done here the way they they cover it um clark kent is very very similar to the christopher reeve version um so if you're not a fan of that i don't know if you'll be a fan of this but it's done very very well and very very respectfully I, i think um clark is married to lois by this point in time uh, Supergirl is around and um, Supergirl is terrified of Brainiac. She She's almost suffering with like a form of PTSD because she was present um, on Krypton when Brainiac invaded and uh, took their main city, the, the city of Kandor. And the bottle city of Kandor is a huge thing in the, in the Superman mythology. Um, and you get to see you get to see General Zod acting in his role as leader of the, the Kryptonian military and trying to defend Kandor. Um, you see his anger when Kandor is taken and his pain. You know, you never really think of Zod as someone who actually cared about people. But, you know, in, in this version, he, he cares a great deal about Kryptonian, uh, Kryptonians, you know. Um, and you, you get to see all that and it's, it's really well done. And, it, you know, he kind of sends out these probes. They're almost like mini Terminators that go out and kind of, you know, slaughter people and um, lay the seeds for the for the for the force field and that. Um, and it's just really well done. Um, and the backstory is basically that the, the planet is kind of up and running after after a term of kind of being down on its knees and they're hiring back people like Cat Grant and stuff are all coming back. Uh, Steve Lombard and that are all coming back onto the staff. And it's it's really a, a beautiful character study. It is some of the best scenes I love when Jonathan Kent lives to see Clark become Superman. Um, I don't think necessarily he you know he needs to live indefinitely as he did in Lois and Clark, but um, I love that he gets to see what Clark becomes. And there's some beautiful beautiful character moments here um, between Clark and Jonathan. 
um, and probably some of the most beautiful character moments. They really get the relationship. Uh, Gary uh, Jeff Johns gets the relationship, you know, spot on. It's a beautiful scene where. Uh, Clark has upset Martha by saying that he's basically going to fly out into space and take Brainiac on um, because one of Brainiac's probes has arrived on Earth and and, and Kara, the Supergirl, has filled him in on, on basically what's coming. So he decides to, to head Brainiac off the pass and Martha's not happy about it and she worries about him like any mother would. And uh, so it's him, uh, Clark and Jonathan go out to... Clark and Jonathan go out to the barn and Jonathan basically tells Clark that he has every faith in him. You know, he trusts his decisions. He's, he's gone past the stage of worrying about the decisions that Clark makes because he's proud of him. And he opens it, this chest and in the chest is this. Uh, he's basically c- kept all these mementos from Clark's childhood, you know, of the, the baseball. He, he tells a story about how he walked, uh, he was throwing base, a baseball to Clark. Clark hit the ball and it flew across Smallville and he spent six months walking the fields looking for this baseball and he's kept it ever since. Or the, the, the shoes or the runners that Clark destroyed when he, he first started running very fast. And this is a beautiful character mode. It really reminds me of that scene in Lois and Clark, uh, in the pilot of Lois and Clark, where Jonathan and Clark are outside after they have dinner and you know they're talking about country life versus city life and all that kind of stuff and it's just this beautiful character moment and then clark picks up this horseshoe and he uses heat vision to inscribe world's greatest dad on it and he hands it to him for the chest and it's just it's beautiful um and it's 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 a it's it's a great character study i just i really enjoy it um and then basically Clark flies off and takes on Brainiac head on um, and you see the fight and you've, you know you've got the, the punch up and you've got the invasion of Metropolis and you see Supergirl um, defending Metropolis um, and it's just a it's just a great great story and the ending of it is you know spoiler alert Superman basically takes on Brainiac and, and, and beats him and manages to save both Metropolis and Kandor from being taken but kind of in his last stand uh, Brainiac has downloaded uh, Clark's memories and uh, targets the Kents and Jonathan manages to save Martha from a, a rocket basically that Brainiac shoots at them and everything seems fine but then Jonathan has the the heart attack and you see you see Clark sh- flying back very similar to Superman and Lois in the in the pilot episode of that it, it, when he flies back for Martha and he's too late and there's nothing he can do and th- the end of the book is is all kind of Clark at, at at his father's funeral and there's no dialogue for for a couple of a couple of pages and it's just images and you can see Bruce Wayne and and Alfred kind of standing in a, in the distance under a tree watching from afar um, and you can see Clark struggling, you can see the pain on his face, and the, the last page of the book is just Clark sitting kind of down in the barn, crying into his hands with his glasses off, and the horseshoe that he had given his father on the ground, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful moment, and it's by far one of my favourite Superman books. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's really, like, I think with Jeff Johns, above all, I think everything he tries to do is kind of let's get back to basics and i think uh in this story i i think you mentioned it's um one of superman's first encounters it's actually not at all one of his like this story at the time when it was when it was released it was still kind of sort of 
in the same continuity as the post-crisis Superman, the, the, the sort of 15-year stretch I was talking about, because they, they reference the Milton Fine version of Brainiac and they reference Brainiac 13, which were kind of... They, they were the versions that were around in the 90s and the early 2000s. And then he has this kind of quick line where he sort of says, oh, that was obviously all a program created by this Brainiac. And they had this lovely shot where it shows all the different versions of, of Brainiac, even like the 60s version, the Silver Age version. And Supergirl is like, well, you've never met Brainiac. You yeah. know, these are all like probes or droids or whatever that he sends down, you know. And there's a great scene where when Clark flies up to the ship, and he finds Brainiac and he he's kind of like, oh, Brainiac, you know, we meet again, but he's never met Brainiac. And Brainiac steps out of the whatever kind of a chamber he's in and he's about 10 foot tall. You yeah. know, he's a Goliath and you can see the kind of look on Clark's face and it's a, it's a beautifully done um, um, image. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. And it is that the, the image you're talking about where Brainiac is stepping out of this kind of like pyramid looking thing and he's like hulking over Superman and I've seen that so many times and Superman kind of staggers away from him in mid-flight and it's like yeah. oh my god there's your movie guys seriously like yeah. it's right that like in that image there's your movie you can tell straight away what a compelling film that might be you know um, and, yeah. and it's it's so ironic because I was talking about Superman Lives at the start of the at the start of this episode like literally the entire 90s they were trying to make a superman movie where brainiac was going to be the main villain and there's so yeah. much concept art online of these really kooky strange quirky looking designs they had for brainiac that could have been really really interesting and they've just never really gotten around to it for some reason they just keep going back to and, general and kind of like like they do in this book where he you know he can take different forms and they can have different versions of him and you know it, it would all make sense in the universe within the universe rules um yeah it's it just boggles the mind why they haven't done it and you know why they haven't done it right but yeah like you you really see the fear on um on in Kara's eyes you know when when she talks she really suffers from some kind of trauma after what she had seen and she talks about her best friend being taken and you know brainiac is kind of the boogeyman she says at one point that you know um brainiac is the reason that nobody goes out after dark in the city and i i really enjoyed the i really liked the little thing that they did where they explained that uh, Jorel's brother basically harnessed the force field technology that brainiac had used and managed that's how he managed to protect argo city from the explosion of krypton oh that's interesting um, yeah that's how they survived the, the the explosion that that destroyed krypton and because when brainiac attacks krypton in this version he doesn't shoot the um the probe into the sun to cause a supernova because there's no point because Krypton is you know within months of of being destroyed itself, um, and obviously his 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 goal is to capture Superman and capture uh, Supergirl in this version because his collection is not complete while they're out roaming around you know, um, and I just love it. I think it's I have a very similar relationship myself with my grandfather. My grandfather thankfully is still alive, and I have a very similar relationship to the to the Clark Kent Jonathan Kent relationship with my grandfather he was he was very important to me growing up and was basically a father figure to me growing up and very proud of the the profession that I chose and I I go home regularly to see him and stuff and I I think for anybody who loses somebody um it's it's you know anybody can relate to losing somebody and it's a great like you think everything is going to be fine like there's a a moment there when Jonathan takes Martha after he manages to get her out of the way the the rocket the Brainiac has sent and he's like everything's going to be fine and then he turned the page and that's when he has the heart attack, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a beautiful book and I've read it, I'd say at least 10 times at this point. I, I, I really enjoy it. 
Hi guys, uh, Rob here. As I'm sure you can imagine, this discussion went way over time, so we've decided to break this episode up into two parts. So check back in very soon for part two of our favorite Superman stories from the comics, where we discuss Superman's secret origin, Superman birthright, and All-Star Superman. Once again, we'd like to remind you that you can like us on Facebook at All-Star Superfan. You can follow us on Instagram on All-Star Superfan and follow us on Twitter at All-Star Superpod. So please do get in touch and let us know your thoughts and feelings on everything we've discussed so far. And uh, maybe if you have any thoughts or feelings on the stories we're about to discuss, by all means, send them our way. Rate and review the podcast wherever you get it. It really does help. And we really, really appreciate it. And remember, if you ever need to find us, just look up.